Hard Fix Network. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Studio A. You are listening to The Interview Show, your home for entertaining and insightful discussions on all manner of topics. And here's the host of the show, Chris Green. Thank you, Tommy. Welcome, everyone, to the show. Our guest today hails from Woodbine, Kentucky, and was a cast member on season 39 of the extremely popular CBS reality show, Survivor. Please welcome Elaine Stott. What's up, everybody? <laughs> the last several months have been quite a whirlwind for you. Yeah, it really has. It's uh, been totally different than the norm, that's for sure. Yeah, I would imagine. So this past uh, fall, you got to watch yourself on Survivor. <laughs> last summer, you got engaged. Congratulations on that. Yeah. In January, you had a birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm old now. I'm 42 now. So it's uh, it's been a lot. There's been a lot happening in the past year. That's for sure. Also, you've been thrust into the world of social media. Oh, yeah. Now, that's been a whole lot different. Before this started, I had Facebook. I had like 650 friends on Facebook, and that was it. And my girlfriend did most of my posting for me because I don't, I just don't do social media. That's what I figured. I figured you weren't much into social media. Yeah, I got, I got on the show, and I got uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, it's it's been a full-time job just trying to keep up with those things. you know. Yeah. And then I got a fan page, so it's like, Man, I can see why people need assistance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever in your wildest dreams ever imagine that that sentence would come out of your mouth? No, no, that's the thing. Like, it's like, uh, I, I didn't think I needed it, but there were so many people like hollering at me and, and you know, and I, my friends were like, yo, you, you need to get on social media. That way people can find you. And, and I was like, all right. Well, I didn't think that it would blow up from zero to like, I think I got like 22,000 on Instagram. It's like, dang, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So what has it been like to digest all of that? Because that that's a that's a big change from just the environment you were operating in before that. Yeah, I always tell everybody, I was like, man, I, I know a lot of people, but I keep my circle really small. Like I got four or five friends that I hang out with and then I just kick it with the family. So to go from that to like, uh, you know, I post a, a picture or something, you get seven or 8,000 or... It's like, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around, you know, like it's, uh, it's like if I, if I post a picture of my dog, then you got 10,000 people saying, oh, you know, like, yeah. it, it's strange, but at the same time, it's cool. So I, I've been, uh, trying to, I, I think you can, you can use your, your, well, I, I want to use the term frank, uh, fame loosely, but you can use that, that kind of publicity to do something better. So that's what I, I kind of. You know, I've been doing charity stuff, so I try to post about that. I was posting about Australia, just stuff that means something to me and like sure. try to help. You know what I mean? So that's the cool part. My impression of you before talking to you is that you're a very grounded person. It doesn't sound like any of this has changed that. No, I mean, you can't get the big head about stuff because just as fast as you're popular, you can become unpopular. That's right. You know, and, and uh, you know, I, I've never been one to sit at the cool kids table anyway. You know, I like kind of set by myself, you know what I'm saying? And then, and just branch out from there, but you can't let stuff like take you and, uh, make you into something you, you wasn't supposed to be in the first place. Like that's just, that's just not me. I would never do that. So yeah, I agree. I also saw on Twitter that uh, Tanya tried to trade your dogs for a horse. 
<laughs> Dude, she wants a horse so bad. Like I live on, I live on my grandpa's a uh, hundred acre farm. Uh, I've lived here most of my life, and he passed about ten years ago. And uh, I I take care of the place, and I got two barns, and uh, she's been dying for the horse ever since me and her got together. And I I try to tell her, you know, horses are a lot of responsibility. It's not like, you know, you got to feed them, uh, you got to throw hay out for them, you know what I mean? Like, and it's a lot of work. And and I just, I'm not ready to do that just (laughs) So she's probably thinking, how do you have a hundred acre property and not a horse? Yeah, see, that's the thing. See, it wasn't. It, that's what my grandpa. He had. We'd had twenty horses at all times. Like my grandpa, he he would buy and trade, and you know, I think my first truck I got, he sold it for for three hundred dollars and a horse, and I liked to die. You know, he <laughs> thought he got a great deal. Sure. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's her first thing. She's like, "You got all this property," which I told her. I was like, man, if you'll fence it in, we'll we'll get a horse. Well, I want to fence the whole thing in. You know, like it used to be. It's it's all the fences that fell down and. And this, that, and the other, and and I want to, I want to fence it in old school, but she just wants me to like box in a little lot and get her one. So <laughs> I told her, I said, "You do the fence, and we'll get a horse." And she's like, "I'm not doing that." So, <laughs> <laughs> so you have a bit of a stalemate over that issue. Yeah, which I, I plan on getting her one. It's just you know, my my, my tractor's broke down right now, so I I want to get my tractor fixed so I can get my fields bush hogged and mowed. And and like I said, I got a lot of fencing. I got a fix and you know before before i went on the show i was working six seven days a week 12 hour days mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to come home and jump on the tractor and mend fences when you get home at five o'clock sure and uh you know so it's kind of just a little bit at a time here and there over the the past 10 years and so now that i'm not working i've i've, I've been uh that's my goal is is to fix what i can while i can while, while i'm not working so yeah well I wanted to give some of the fans of the show a chance to contribute to the interview. So I went out to mm-hmm. I went out to Facebook to solicit some questions from a group called 2020 Winners at War. Mm-hmm. I think they modify the name of that group with each new season, but a lot of the conversation we're going to have today was generated out of that group. Okay. If you didn't know before, you certainly know now that you're one of the most popular and well-liked cast members in the history of the show. History? I would say I so. I, I don't know about all that. I mean, I, I'm I'm small town famous. I know that. I go to I went to Bingo the other night, and they gave me a standing O. Practically, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've made it. You know what I mean? I walked in, and they're like, "Yo, there's a celebrity in the building over the loudspeaker," and I waved like I'd won Miss America. It was hilarious. But you know, that's the perks of being from a small town. But I don't know about in the history of Survivor. There's a lot of that's I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I just don't see it. But oh, All right. Well, you, know. you sound unconvinced. So let me just share a few things people wanted me to either ask or tell you. Okay. So Mary wants to know if you'll be her new best friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm always in the market for good friends, man. As long as they're good people, I'm, I'm cool with that. Well, my response was, no, she can't do that because she's my new best friend. Oh, <laughs> so I had to give her the bad news if, if that's okay with you. You had to break it to her. Oh, well, so, sorry, Mary. <laughs> so a couple of people, including Christina Marshall, said they wanted you to know that they made the that you made the entire season for them, that they were really, really rooting for you. That's a sentiment that I would share. It was a great season, but you were our favorite, and and we very, very much wanted you to make it all the way to the end. 
Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, is like, you know, it just wasn't in the cards. You know what I mean? It wasn't God's plan. That's what I always say. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes <laughs> towards the end of it that, that I shot myself in the foot. But, you know, it is what it is. You got to take the good with the bad. And, and no, I didn't win a million dollars. But, you know, I got to be there for 35 days. It was like, come on. Like, that's there's a lot of people in the cast that didn't get to do that. So. I just, I'm blessed. Well, we'll get into some of those details here in just a little bit. Okay. Natalie wanted to ask if you've always been so hilarious and that she really enjoyed your sense of humor and all of your cute sayings. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've always thought I was like, I call it hella funny. I, I always thought I had a great sense of humor. And part of that is because like, I, I, I had to figure out a way to fit in because I never had. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I didn't look like the other girls. I, I didn't, I didn't like the the things that that most typical girls do. I was raised by my dad and my brothers, and then my grandpa. So you know, I was a little tomboy, and and uh, so so I had to figure out. And I rocked a mullet for 20 years. You know, <laughs> my dad cut my hair when I was little. He he cut it basically like his, and then I rocked it for the next 20. And, uh, you know, when you look like that and and you, you are who, who I am, it, not everybody likes that. And, and I got picked on a lot because of it. So humor was a thing that, that everybody loves to laugh, you know, and even the mean kids, you know, you crack a joke and they, they laugh with you instead of at you, you know what I'm saying? So, so it's just something I kind of adopted in, uh, you know, I, I think all my people's pretty funny. You know, my dad's got a good sense of humor. It's a little more drier than mine, and my uncle's hilarious. And and uh, I just I just think it runs in the family. You know. <laughs> well, humor is a powerful thing. It is, man. It really is. Like it, more people should try doing that instead of some other stuff they do. You know. I agree. Sharon also asked um, uh, if you could bottle bottle that beautiful charm that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I would be so rich. I wouldn't even need Survivor. Right? I wouldn't even need that million. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is everybody's got it in them. It's just, it's a choice. It, people choose to to be either jovial and laughing and happy or, or they, they choose to be cynical and, and not, you know, and everybody's funny in their own way. Like I said, my dad, I think my dad's hilarious, but some people don't, you know, and I think it's just how you take them. But I think everybody could be a... Uh, a little more joking and cutting up and, you know, everybody should adopt that in their life. Well, I can relate specifically to all the things you're saying about not fitting in. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, because I had to do different things too, to, to somehow just assimilate with people around me. Mm -hmm. Do you, you and I are about the same age. Do you happen to remember a song by a band called Blind Melon? It, it was by a band called Blind Melon and the song was called No Rain. And the, oh, I love that song. Okay. Well, do you remember the music video? Uh, yeah, vaguely, but yeah, I do. The music video had a little girl dressed in a bee costume. In a bumblebee, yeah. That's right. Well, the entire theme of the video was that she was walking around and didn't fit in anywhere until she found the rest of the people in the bee costumes. Right, right. And that always resonated, that video always resonated with me. Well, I mean, it's true, though. I mean, you, you've got to find your people, and sometimes you you got to go through it to get out, you know, on the other side and yes. find that, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's, yeah, it, it, that, that's a perfect example of how life really is, you know? Well, I mean, that was 25 years ago and I'll never forget it because, because mm -hmm. it sounds like your situation might've been similar, but, but my school, you know, years were, a lot of them weren't very enjoyable, you know, at times. Yeah. 
for those reasons. Yeah. Well, see, when I when I was younger, I was actually meaner than a shrapnel snake. I, I got <laughs> trouble. I had attitude. You know, like I was still funny. Like if I let you close, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Then you got to see that personality side of me. But because I, I was angry about a lot of things from growing up. You know, I, I had a chip on my shoulder and, and uh, so it was hard for somebody to get close to me. So I was mean, you know, I got, I, I think I got more, more write-ups in the history of my school when I was a freshman in high school. I was just, I was just constantly like just getting into trouble, skipping school. I just, I was a bad kid, man. But a lot of it just had to do with is, is that's the only way at the time I knew how to deal with you know, kind of being on the outside, like I, I wore it like a badge of honor. So I was like, you know, I'm a badass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't mess with me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But as the years went on, I, I softened, you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, dealt with it and, and, uh, I don't know. I, I changed my, my outlook and, and a lot of that had to do with my grandpa. Uh, he, uh, you know, I, my dad worked 16, 17 hour days and he had four kids. So we basically raised ourselves, not because he wasn't a good dad. He just had to work. And, uh, you know, when children are left to make grown folk decisions on whether or not like you want to go to school or, you know, we don't necessarily make the right ones, you know. So uh, when, I, when I was 14 years old, I actually came back to Kentucky. We were living in South Florida at the time. And I came back to Kentucky to live with my grandpa. And I went from coming and going as I pleased, you know, just making sure I was home by the time dad got home so I didn't get in trouble, to my grandpa asking me all day long, like, what am I doing? Who am I talking to? You know, how how was school? How was this? And it drove me nuts because I wasn't used to that, but it was exactly what I needed. So mm. he kind of he kind of reined me in and molded me into a better person. So I'm forever like my grandpa's my hero. He'll always be my hero. So it sounded like that happened at just the right time. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with my life. It's like, I have been through so much in my life and, and faced all kinds of struggles and, and, you know, uh, I'm always right where I'm supposed to be. And, and to me, the only, the only answer and the only thing that, 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 that can be is God himself. You know what I'm saying? God's got you right where you're supposed to be. It's just, you got to be open to it. And, and, uh, and it, yeah, it all came at the right time, right place, right time, right people. And, uh, the rest is history. You know? <laughs> well, and then Sybil posted something that, of course, you've become a little bit famous for. The cartoon is, I think it's weird how sometimes I feel reasonably healthy and other days I feel like a busted can of biscuits. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was surprising because a lot of people had never heard that before. I've never heard of that. Uh, really? Uh-uh. See, the, are, are you from the South? Where are you from? I, I grew up in Texas. Texas, well, that's way south. But yeah, if you ever if you ever knock a can of biscuits on the counter, you know what I mean. That's how I describe myself. Oh no, I'm I'm familiar with that concept. I've just never heard anybody <laughs> refer to themselves with that. Oh okay. <laughs> well, you know that self deprecating humor. That's that's part of my charm. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I I'm okay with being who I am, and I I know I'm a little overweight, and I, I'm okay with it. Like, no, I'm not no supermodel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right, and I'm all right with that, you know. And and uh, you know, when people call me names and and this, that, and the other, like it's like, man, it, you're not hurting me, you know what I mean? Like, if I allow you to do that, like that's I got problems, you know. So I'm I'm just secure who I am, and the fact that I'm a little overweight, 
I'm okay with that. You know, and my woman loves me. So what, you know, what more can I want? Oh know? yeah. Who, who cares what other people think, think that you don't even know. Right. No. And see, that's the thing that I've learned over the years. You know, when, when you're younger and, and, and people say things to you and call you names or whatever, it breaks your heart. You know, it, it sure. literally breaks your heart and tears you to pieces. And that's the sad part of it is kids can be cruel. And there's a lot of kids that, that take their own lives because of stuff like that. And it's sad because if they can just weather those storms and then, you know, when they got a little older, they would figure out that none of that stuff matters. What other people feel about you doesn't matter. It's how you feel about yourself. And, uh, you know, once you realize that, then it, then it opens up a whole no another window for you and it just makes things so much better you know so i'm okay with being me you know yeah well well everybody is on a journey uh hopefully mm -hmm. they find it earlier than later of of finding yeah. out where to put your identity and becoming comfortable in your own skin yeah exactly that's that's the part of it you know yeah. and uh, I, that's what i try to tell tanya's youngest boy you know he's all the time oh check this out this is cool that's cool because he wants to do everything he sees on, on the old YouTube or, or sure. whatever. And I'm like, yo, like, just be you, man. Like, me and him do videos. We got a, a, a YouTube channel that me and him do. It's called The Ham Mo Show. And uh, he wanted to do it for years. And when I came back from Survivor, I was like, all right, you want to start making videos? Let's do it. And we've only done like six or seven or something like that. And and I've, we've not really done any more since like, uh, I think like last August or whatever. But his thing was, is he always wanted to do everything else that he's seen, you know? And I was like, why can't we do us? Like, why do we have to do other people? Why can't we do, you know what I mean? Like, let's just be us and not try to imitate, you know what I mean? Like, let's just do our own thing, what we find funny. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And so I'm constantly like trying to tell them like, be your own person, man. You don't have to like pretend to be this, that, and the other, just be you, you know? And, and me and him argue over stuff like that. He's like, what you want to do is lame. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Hunter, you don't, I'm cool. You don't know this, but I am. <laughs> you should listen to me. <laughs> he should listen to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have life wisdom to, to impart to him. Yeah, I mean, he, he gets it. He understands. But, you know, he's young. So uh, being liked by others and, and, you know, doing the cool things that the cool kids do, that's something that's appealing to the young kids because they, they don't they don't understand like being an individual is way better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's way better than running with the pack. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you get credit with starting things when you're original, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, why wouldn't you want to like start start your own trend? Exactly. He's a great kid. I like I like to bust his chops and give him a hard time, but you know that tough love sometimes is a good thing. You know, he's like, "You're so mean." Why? Are you? And I was like, "Hunter, I'm not mean. I'm trying to teach you, youngin." You know. <laughs> well, I, I think that's what a lot of people get wrong is that I don't know if tough love is really tough. I think it's just love. Well, I believe I believe in honesty. Right. You know. That's what I mean. I'm not trying to sugarcoat nothing. I tell him like it is. Like honest like if he asks me a question about like say birds and the bees, like I give it to him. You know what I mean? I I, I tell him the truth. I don't so anything he asks me, I answer. You know, I'm not I'm not like uh I'm not gonna withdraw or keep information from him that he needs to know anyway. But I I I try to do it in a straightforward manner. You know what I'm saying? And um just, I just try to be real with him. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have him to have a false sense of how things are. You know what I'm saying? I do. Okay. Let's get into some show stuff. Okay. 
What's your history with the show? How big of a fan were you before you were a cast member? Uh, you know, I've watched the show for the 20 years. I watched it since it was on. Okay. And, uh, I literally watched every single season and, uh, me and my godmother, you know, it was a big thing that we bonded over. And, uh, she, uh, you know, she would always try to tell me this, that, and whatever, but she was always wrong. <laughs> so we would argue and fight over Survivor and talk about it. And, and uh, it was just something we kind of bonded over. And uh, and then I wanted to be on it when I was, you know, when it first came out and I tried out. And it didn't, they didn't pick me or whatever, for whatever reason. I'm trying to get my dog. She doesn't want to listen either. She's about like the youngins. <laughs> <laughs> What what year was um, that when you tried to apply the first time? Uh, I I was twenty uh, in two thousand. I'm pretty sure it was two thousand one when uh, after the first season. Oh, okay, so you you applied right away. Yeah, I, I applied after the first season. You watched one season. You said, "I want to go do this." I had tried out when I was in my twenties, early twenties, when it first came out, and then I never got a call back, never nothing, and I I kept on watching the show. And like I said, me and my godmother, it was a uh, something we bonded over and and would would talk about and and uh and then when i was i think i was about 30 after my grandpa it was after my grandpa passed uh i had kind of i had a really hard time when he passed because like i said that dude was my everything and uh my godmother was kind of i i guess you could say i, I was depressed and i felt kind of like in a depression i didn't i stayed on the farm for like two years and all i did was work and because that's the only thing I, I that's the only way i knew how to handle my grief was just work on the farm and and do the things that he loved you know it made me feel better and she actually used survivor to kind of pull me out of that she was like elaine we should try out for the show and it, it just became this whole thing so then we we'd start watching on a regular again and and uh, we just bonded over over it all over again, and it and it helped me with my grandpa's death. And then um, again, when I was thirty six, I tried out, I think, and uh, I went to an open casting on a whim. They had came here close to my hometown, and and uh, I went. And uh, I thought I'd done great. I drank a little bit before I went, so my nerves went so bad, and I thought I'd done amazing, you know. And uh, I, I got interviewed by the news afterwards and, and did great. And and then I never got called. Now, was and that then, casting session, was that in Lexington or even closer? No, it was even closer. It was in London. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was um, in London I went. I, I think I was 36. I, I could be wrong. I could have been, I could have been uh, younger than that. But uh, so uh, then, you know, I, I, I still watch the show, but... I, the time and then me and my godmother would get into it and have arguments about it i just started doing it to, to punish her you know <laughs> she would call and want to talk about the show and i'd be like oh i've not watched it yet and she's like lady you gotta watch it so we can talk about it you know and then then i would finally watch it and then we would discuss it or whatever but mm -hmm. uh i i kind of stopped watching them as they aired I, but i dvr'd them and then i would always go back and you know watch them again and then uh about um, three years ago, her, my god sister, her daughter, her oldest daughter died, and uh, she was devastated. You know, a mother losing a child—you can only imagine. Sure. 
And a month after that, her husband died. And then I know it sounds crazy, but three months, two months after that, she put her dog down, which she was devastated about everything. But when she lost her dog, I think it was like she was completely alone and it it just she hit rock bottom. And then a couple months after that, she had a stroke. And so in a matter of eight months, her life was just destroyed. Goodness. And uh, whenever all that happened, I actually stayed with her and uh, we would just lay in bed and watch Survivor. And, you know, I tried to do the same thing for her that she done for me with uh, just trying to make her feel better. You know what I mean? And to think about something other than what she was going through. And then, you know, so the, the past few years have been pretty rough ever since she lost her husband and her daughter. And, you know, she she's physically not the same. She was always my family person visit. Uh, the person that was supposed to come on family visit. Oh, sure. She was always my loved one for every time I tried out. Okay. And and then when when the casting came in Bowling Green, she uh, called me on the phone. You know, like I said, I, I had been watching it, but not like I did religiously before. And uh, she called me and she's like, Laney, you got to go try out. They're doing it in Bowling Green. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of over it. Like, you know, it's been 20 years, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, and uh, she she guilted me into it. And and literally, because after, after she had lost her husband and lost her, her daughter, uh, she's like, Lainey, let, let's just go out like we used to do, you know, with me, me, her, and her daughter. She's like, let's just go out and go dance. She loved to dance. Her and her husband danced all the time. They loved dancing. She's like, let's just go out and go dancing and and just have a good time. Like I've not laughed and and you know I was like, man, I was like, I really don't feel like going out. I was like, let's just stay home and play cards. You know, like let's play rummy because rummy was a big thing we used to do. And she was like, okay, well, like two weeks or three weeks after that, she had a stroke and she'll never dance again, right? So when the survivor thing came uh, and she's like trying to talk me into going, uh, she's like, Lainey, you you didn't take me dancing when I asked you to. You know what I mean? She's like, you have to do this. Like you, you just have to. Wow. And so I was like, you know, I was like, you know, I can give her this. Like I can just drive to Bowling Green, go do my thing. And then just, you just make her happy. You know, that's what I was thinking. So I had decided the day before that I was going to go. And I told my woman, I was like, well, let's go just so. I call her Diva. I was like, just so Diva can get off my back. Let's go, you know? So we go, and uh, after the thing, like, I thought I'd done terrible. I was like, it wasn't as good as the one I had done years ago. And um, I called my godmother afterwards, but she was just so happy that I went. And she it, it gave her something to look forward to. And, and you could just hear it in her voice. She's like, oh, it's okay. You did. I know you did so good. I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't think nothing else of it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, well, I had a good time. And she's like, well, see, at least you went and you had a good time. Like, it's, you know, and then like three weeks later, I got the phone call, you know, so it was like, I, I don't know. It was like unreal that it actually happened the way that it happened. So that was one of my questions is, so you go to the casting call mm-hmm. and they want to put you on the show. So you get a phone call from somebody from the show. And then what happens after that? Well, uh, actually, the the week before I got the phone call, my mom, um, she fell in a nursing home and was in a coma. She had a brain bleed and was in a coma and got put on life support. She had to have emergency brain surgery. So whenever I actually got the phone call, I was sitting in the hospital wow. with my mom. 
And uh, I was like, listen, they were like, well, we need you to fill out an application because when you go to ca casting and stuff like or open casting, uh, you, you typically don't do that. I mean, I, I, I'm sure some places might make you go ahead and fill it out. But the one I went to, I didn't fill one out. So they're like, we need you to fill out an application and uh, do this, that and the other. And, and, you know, you need to make a video so we can send it, send it up to our, our you know, higher ups or whoever. And uh, I was like, look, I'm, I'm in the hospital. And they literally worked with me, and, and I've done a lot of stuff on my phone that I did not know you could do. Because, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not, uh, I don't, I don't uh, really know techno technological stuff and stuff like that, but I figured out, like, I have an S pen on my phone. So I actually filled out the application on my phone and sent it back to them. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'd I, I done my video on my phone and sent it back to them. That was one of our other questions, by the way, is people wanted to see your casting video. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I got it saved on my phone somewhere, but it's like, it's not online. It's not, you know what I mean? I just stood and talked, basically. And, and you know, like, I, I said a few funny things, you know. Uh, I can remember one thing I said. I said, you know, uh, I, I live on a big farm. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I said, you know, if I feel like it, I mow my grass in my damn underwear, you know, which is true. <laughs> I have. I have mowed my grass in my drawers before. And it's because I live up on a hill. I have no neighbors. And if I want to walk outside in my my skibbies, I do, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I said a few funny things and, and I'm sure some of my personality come through, but no, I don't think anybody's ever going to see that. <laughs> so we couldn't talk you into into sharing that with us. No way. No way. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like that's going to show up on the internet somewhere someday. Oh, well, may, maybe 10 years from now, but no time soon. <laughs> Not if I got anything to say. Actually, the only people who have it, it is my, I got it on my phone and then my casting person, she has it because, you know, I sent it to her. Right, right. But other than that, there's nowhere else to be found. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I'm sure it's only in a couple of places, but things get out anyways. Yeah, this is true. That's just for the how right the price, works. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for the right price. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you applied two or three times and then finally got on. So you fill out the application and then how does it go from that point to they give you the dates, they're saying, get ready, you're coming? Are, well, there, a are there a couple uh, more steps in there? Yeah, I mean, you they, they send the video in, you know, and then you, you got to do a Skype call with um, Jeff and, and and Matt, and then, you know, they, they take you to a finals if you make it past that. And then when you go to finals, you do interviews and this, this, and this, and you, you got to make it past them. And then, and then even though you do all that, uh, you still don't know. What was your level of confidence as you reached each one of those new steps in the process? Uh, well, you know... <laughs> 20 years ago, I used to say, I was like, man, if I can ever get these people just to talk to me, I'm making on the show. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how it was. It's like, once I talked to them, I just kind of felt like they would take me, you yeah, know? Sure. So, but at the time, at the time I was dealing with so much, I really wasn't like so gung ho and over the moon about it either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I would talk to my casting person and, I, and she's like, well, you know, uh, we're going to set you up with a Skype, Skype call or whatever. And I'm like, all right, okay. And she's like, you don't sound too enthusiastic about it. you know. But I was just going through so much that like, 
if I made it great, but if I didn't, I had so much going on. It it was really like a small, you, you know what I'm saying? Like compared to like life, you know what I mean? Like it's Absolutely. just a little speck. And so I, I didn't, um, I think it would have been different if I wasn't going through what I was going through. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the level of like nerves and, and just anticipation of whether or not it's going to work out and this, this and this. I, I just didn't go through a lot of that, but it was because I was dealing with what I was doing. Yeah, I can imagine. But yeah, I mean, you you literally have to, it, it, just putting in a video is just the first step. You know, filling out the application, that's the first one in the video. And then, you know, then you got Skype calls and then you got interviews you got to do and and you know, so I mean, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, and then still it comes down to whether or not you fit into the theme that they want to do, or or what their ideal of how the season is, or you know what I'm saying. So yeah. like, it, there's a lot of moving parts that have to line up just right, and it kind of just goes back to how my life has been. I was just in the right place at the right time, and right where I was supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it always comes back to that. Yeah. So let's go here. Okay. How a couple of people, including Jackie Bixby, wanted to know how do you prepare for Survivor physically, mentally, emotionally, otherwise? Um, well, for me, like, like I said, I was going through so much different than what everybody else was going through. I'm sure when people first got that phone call, the first thing they started doing is is getting in shape or, or working right. on their you know, the different skill set, whatever, fire and, and balance and whatever. I didn't do any of that. And I kind of was last minute when I finally was told I was getting on the show. Then I was like, all right, I need to, <laughs> I need to do something. So, you know, I, I went to the gym. I uh, started going to CrossFit. I was the biggest I'd ever been in my life. I'd gotten on a fork truck. I was on a fork truck for the past three years and I had put on 50 pounds in those three years. So I weighed 192 pounds. It was the heaviest I'd ever been. And uh, I started going to CrossFit and the gym and stuff. And I lost 20 pounds before I ever went. Wow. And uh, I had made um, a few balance beams in the yard and, and would run little obstacle courses and stuff like that. But, you know, even though I'm, it's 20 years removed, I, I am an athlete. Just I, I played college ball. I was on the judo team in college. So it's like, it's like riding a bike, you know, once you get back into stuff, like, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like that. I wasn't too, too stressed. I knew I was never going to be the strongest, the baddest competitor. It's just physically, it's just not my thing. So I was just relying on my social skills. And, and the, the one, one thing that, uh, that I had to work on the most was just getting my mind right, you know, cause I was, I just lost my mom and, and it was, uh, it was tough, you know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, and then I was worried, you know, when I left uh, about my girl and things here and and taking care of things because I'm always the one that try to take care of things for everybody. And, right. And so we're, we're letting go of some of that and giving control over to somebody else and, and just worrying about whether or not she was okay. That was a lot of it too. And, you know, the, so the biggest thing for me was mentally. It's just getting my mind right mentally. You know what I mean? And, just getting uh, focused. Yeah, like just trying to like focus on what I was getting ready to do, <laughs> you know? And I come into it with a, a crap ton of emotional baggage. And I I think it made me appreciate everything that I went through on the island and just the process in general, like it made me appreciate everything so much more 
Because when, when something bad happens, it always makes you refocus about life and the, mo- the more important things of that is, is those you love, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was hard going out there and, and having as much as mo- emotional baggage as I did, but I think it was the best thing for me. Yeah. Cause I, I, I appreciated it every, every single day, you know what I mean? Like people cried and, 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 um, would would have bad days or whatever and uh i i just loved all of it you know i mean it was rough but i I'd, I'd go back in a new york minute you know what I'm saying? <laughs> how do you physically pack for survivor because one of the things i've always been curious about is that people show up in the clothes that they wear every day mm-hmm. well i mean they they have a color scheme of course that they want you to follow right. so it's like they 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 give you a color scheme and, uh, you know, the, the clothes you pick are representative of like, uh, who you are, Okay. you know, and, and I'm a blue jean, Richard, uh, freaking steel toe boots <laughs> slash camo. You know what I mean? That's just me. Like, so you kind of got lucky in a way. Yeah. I'm nothing fancy. Like, listen, if they had made me wear some, some of the other stuff, the other people, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even been on the island. You know, it was bad <laughs> enough. I had to wear little booty shorts, you know, like, it's like, come on. Can I get some long shorts here? <laughs> well, I mean, you lucked out compared to the say the guy that shows up in a suit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, good thing I wasn't a lawyer, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. That, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's over seven thousand miles from Woodbine to the how do you how do you pronounce them? Mana Mananuka Islands. Yeah. So, so until then, what's the farthest you've been from home? That's it. <laughs> well, uh, the, let's see. I, no, I, I've been to, um, I, I had never been anywhere on the West Coast ever. Okay. Like the furthest West I had been and be like, let's see, I, I went to Missouri once uh, to St. Louis. And other than that, I've been on the East Coast. Like I've been to Florida and Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio. I went to Michigan once. Uh, and I, I went to Maine one time. Okay, so you've done some traveling, and, and you're not so isolated that you haven't been on airplanes on a regular basis. No, see, uh, my my dad moved to South Florida when I was seven years old. Okay, and uh, you know, I would when I moved back in with my grandpa when I was fourteen, I would fly back home every summer to my dad's. And then you know, I had, and then when I got into college, then we traveled for sports. You know what I mean? So like when I went to Michigan, I was on the judo team and I had went to Michigan with the judo team. The only time I had ever been anywhere by myself was when I went to Maine um, about, I want to say about 15, 15 years ago, I went to Maine as a like a little mini vacation. And, uh, but other than that, I had never, other than traveling with school and stuff, I had never been anywhere on my own. You know what I mean? On your bio, one of the questions is, why do you think you'll survive Survivor? And your answer was, I think people will underestimate me. I think with my people skills and my ability to relate to different types of people, I'll be able to befriend them or gain their trust. I'd be overlooked because I wouldn't be a threat, but an ally. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's exactly how it went down, didn't it? <laughs> it? It is. The only part that I didn't put on there was that I was going to be so likable that people was going to want me gone day one. I didn't, you know, that's the only thing I left out of that bio. But there's a lot of people that answer that question on their bio and and they get it really wrong, but you were pretty accurate on what your experience was. 
Yeah. Well, cause I, cause I know me, you know what I mean? Like I get along with everybody, you know, from, from, you know, the people that that's homeless on the streets to the suits and ties. Like I get, I connect and get along with all kinds of different people. I, I was just impressed up with how accurate your answer to that question was to how it actually played out. Because I, I just yeah. don't think in the history of the show that it's often that way. Yeah, well, well, people's people have a misconception of who they are. Sometimes right. they think they're one particular way, and they're not. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people that go on the show, is they're like, oh, I'm this, and I'm that, and this. And uh, I, I guess they didn't really know who they were to begin with. You yeah. know, whereas me, I've been the same. I, I've always been... I always got along with everybody. I, I, you know, like if 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 I could connect with one person, I could connect with another. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just a credit to who I am. Like that's just who I am. And but like I said, the the only thing I didn't account for, I thought that I would go on the island because of physically I wasn't what I was twenty years ago. That I would fall into that older lady, you know, <laughs> that that uh, a liability phase of like you know. She's not as strong. She can't compete as much, or or things like that. I thought that would be my downfall, because uh, that has a tendency to happen. Is is people don't give you the benefit of doubt; they just go off of first first impressions. Well, I, I think that's the label that a lot of viewers probably put on Janet, but both of you made it really far. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing though is like it's a. Uh, first impressions could be a killer mm -hmm. and and so i was that that's what i was afraid i was going to fall into was was that but you know I, I i got that uh that country work ethic you know what i'm saying that blue collar work ethic sure. so I, I i i work like a grown man you know what i mean like i that's just who i am too so i think that helped me but the problem was is that i was everybody thought i was great and so like it just man i did not see it going that way like i didn't think that people would think i was so fantastic that i needed to go home i thought oh elaine's great i want to work with her is what i was thinking you know so i was totally wrong with that well i don't know if you were totally wrong because you made it 35 days this is true i did <laughs> so, and, and, and <laughs> it's not like you went out after week two this is true this is true but I, that that's that's also like uh my ability i adapted real quick whenever they yeah. were like yo you're so great I was like, okay, I need not to tell so many jokes. I need not to be so funny. And then I became, I'll do whatever you want. You know, I got a big personality myself, but I completely like toned it down and I took a back seat. So I kind of reverted back to younger. You know, there was always people that were louder and, and funnier and whatever. And I just let those people talk and I just sat back in the background. So I kind of went back to that, the old fallback. That gives me a related question, which is I'm guessing that both on the show and maybe even in real life, that one of the ways that people underestimate you is how smart you are. Yeah. And, and that's another thing I've done. I, we call it playing Kentucky dumb as well. <laughs> you know, right. so I became like, which don't give me, I still don't know what cumin is. I have no idea. I know, but listen, Elaine, is. you're very aware <laughs> that people from Kentucky or people with your background, that, that people have a stereotype and that mm -hmm. there's many, many people that are from where you're from that don't fit that stereotype, but that people still have it. Yeah, exactly. I picked up on that right away when I saw you on that show. It didn't take me very long to to realize, oh, they're they're not going to read her correctly. She's much, much smarter than they think she is. 
Yeah, and that that served me well too. And 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 that was the thing, especially playing with with people like Missy and Aaron who are super strategic and super aggressive. You know, the wrong thing to have done there would have been like uh, been out in the for- forefront. You know, like trying to call shots or 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 showing them that I was thinking more than they thought I was. Right. Like that would have been a no no. You know what I mean? So it, it also goes with like who you're playing with. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I was playing with super aggressive people. And so I became passive. I became um, whatever you want. What I just want me and you. You know, I'm just thinking of us. Like, I'll do whatever you want to do. Whatever's good for me and you. You know, like I became that person. There's been a lot of smart people on the show in the history mm-hmm. of it. And there were some very smart people on your season. Mm-hmm. But I think you were maybe one of the smartest people in this year's cast. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I... But it's not just your intelligence. It's your intelligence combined with your wisdom. Does that make sense? Yeah. To know stuff, is that's good. But if you're arrogant or you don't have the right life perspective, you don't have the right wisdom, then mm-hmm. you're not going to use your intelligence well. But you do both. Yeah. That's what made you such an effective player. They didn't catch up to you and realize how much of a threat and the fact that they needed to get rid of you until almost the very end. Yeah, I know. I, and you know what's sad though is like when I when I went to Lauren and I went to Janet, like I was telling them the truth. I, I knew the guys had a thing. I knew they were going final three, and I couldn't convince them otherwise. And that was my downfall. Is if I could have convinced those girls that they were not in the plans, mm-hmm. then the whole game's different. But they just had this one picture of how things were going to be. And and I just couldn't get them to see what was really going on because they were too close to it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't see things when you're so close and that's how it was. They were so sure. close to it. They just couldn't see. And, uh, I, 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 I still, I made a lot of mistakes, man. I think back to like different, different things that I, I could have done to, you know, change the outcome. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, well, I know better next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so I, I know you can't talk about a lot of behind-the-scenes things, but people had a lot of questions about those types of things. So I'm just going to ask mm-hmm. you those questions, and if you can answer them, great. If you can't, then we'll move to the next thing. Okay. So one of my questions is, Is it, it lasts for 39 days, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming that the show kind of has a routine. You know, you're kind of in a daily routine of sorts. Yeah, like... Uh, well, I mean, it, it it's what you see on TV, honestly, other than... So that's accurate. Yeah, uh, it's it's what you see on TV. You know, you wake up in the morning, you, you make rice, you go gather wood, you, you know, uh, you have days that you know. Like, I think you do, you got one day that you're off, you do a reward, and then the next day you do an immunity. You know what I mean? So that that's like typically how it goes now you have sometimes like when they split the tribes and you both go to tribal like you have things that are that are different but there is a routine to it you know what i mean like one day off reward immunity one day off reward immunity okay so you you get into a rhythm over time yeah and then it's the days whenever they switch things up because you know there is so many twists and this that and the other that you're like, hey, what's going on? We should have had tree meal. We should have, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But each season's different. You know right. what I'm saying? So it, it's it's not like you would know anyway because every season's different. So, but yeah, typically there's a routine of like challenge, no challenge, things like that. Got it. How difficult is it to find an immunity idol? 
Man, I looked all the time. You did? Because, okay, because <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was my other related question is, is most of the time during the season, there's one out there somewhere. So it seems like I would expect that just for your own survival, so to speak, that you'd be out mm-hmm. looking for idols with because you've got so much free time. It seems like mm-hmm. all that sitting around. Why wouldn't you be out looking for an idol all the time? No, everybody does. Okay, everybody does. It, it's just you know they don't they don't show a lot of that because right. everybody's looking all the time. Like okay. every so, morning, everybody was up at, at crack crack at dawn. <laughs> you know, just out looking. You know, and but the thing is, is like during the day, once everybody gets up and everybody's at camp, it's kind of hard just to walk off and. Which I've done that a lot. I I've done my own thing a lot. Like I would okay. go to the beach and and I was like a little kid in a candy store, you know, like catching starfish or like you know, you know what I mean, oh, just cool. exploring. Okay, you know what I mean, just exploring yep. stuff. Well, I think one of the most fascinating things about the show is all of the nature scenes that they cut to in and out of the show. Mm-hmm. They do an amazing job with that part of the show. Yeah, they really do. That it's it's super cool how they get some of those shots. It's, yeah. Okay. Kelly had a, a bunch of questions. They're all kind of similar. I'm just going to go through those relatively quickly. They were around kind of the challenges, kind of the logistics of it, meaning how long does it take to get to a challenge? You know, are, are you told when when you need to leave to get over there? You know, do you take a boat or do you walk? You know, if, if you get there before the other team, do you have to sit around a lot, long time for the other team to show up? You know, those types yeah. of things. Well, I mean, you, you go you go from challenge to challenge in boats. So, okay. you know, you know, uh, you got to load up and go to a different island because they can't have have everything on one island. You know what I mean? Like, sure. So you, you have to travel to different islands and stuff. And we do that by boat. And so does someone from the crew show up and say, it's time to leave for the challenge and then everybody loads into a boat? Yeah, I mean, you're you're constantly with people from the crew. Like you, you have camera crews there. You got, you know, you got producers that are there. So there's constantly six or seven people in camp with you at all times. Ah, okay, got it. That makes sense. And then yeah. she had another question that I, I thought was a good question, which was when the other team shows up and Jeff announces, "Hey, here's the such and such tribe. So and so was voted out." Is that really mm-hmm. the first time that you find out who got voted out? Yeah, yeah. They they keep us separated all the way up until that point. Okay. Yeah, so that when they when they walk in and you walk in like that is the first time that you're seeing them. You know, there's no interaction at all. Interesting. Okay. So a lot of things that are the way it's shown on the show are fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they 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 do a really good job, man, with with everything that they got going on and like they've got it down to a science. Yeah, I bet they do. Amy wanted to know how intrusive the cameras were. Are, are they always right up in your face? And what is that like? Yeah, they are right up in your face at all times. And it, it, when you're having bad days, it can drive you crazy. Yeah. You know, because you just want some space. You know what I mean? Like, But uh, I, I didn't so much mind it. You know what I mean? Like it, you kind of just you you get used to you get used to them being there. They become fixtures in the, in the camp. You know what I mean? Like that tree's always there. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. So you kind of just, just deal with it. I would wonder how you keep from looking directly into the camera if it's right there next to you. Well, <laughs> well, sometimes you can't, you know what I mean? Sometimes I, I don't, there's probably a million shots of like, I've looked into the camera and made big eyes or oh, made okay. a funny face or, you know <laughs> what I mean? But <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, uh, uh, I, they they edit all that stuff out, you know. But 
after a while, you kind of, I mean, they're not literally sitting six inches from your face. They can be four or five feet away from you and be really close to your face. Sure. She also wanted to know about the, about the confessionals. So obviously that's when you're just one-on-one with a camera person. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to know where are those taking place so that no one else can hear because you're, you're meant to be very candid in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, you know, it's like at your house, you know what I'm saying? Like you got different places in your yard or different places. Like I live on a big farm. Hell, you can go on top of the hill and I can't hear nothing you're saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with on the island. You know, like you got everybody that's at camp and then you walk 300 yards down the beach and, uh, you know, they just make sure nobody goes down that way. And so is it just on the honor system that no one follows and listens into those conversations? Oh, they wouldn't let you. You know what I mean? It, okay. They'd it, be like, it'd be like, all right, if if we're doing a confessional down to the right, it's like, all right, nobody's allowed to go to the right. Okay. You know, because because they can't have people creeping up on confessionals and stuff like that. Wouldn't you know what I mean? Sure, it'd basically be cheating, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they, they, dude, I'm telling you, they do such a great job. They're such a good crew. You know? Yeah, I can. You can tell it's it's almost perfectly executed. So. I guess this actually happened pretty early in the application process, but a couple of people wanted to know what it was like to meet Jeff for the first time. Uh, that was weird, you know, because I Skyped him and, you know, he's sitting in his living room and is like, whoa, this is like crazy that I'm talking to you right now. Right. You know? And it's just a conversation. By the way, that's that's how I felt when you and I first got on the phone call today. Oh, that she was talking to me? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's funny though, because I I'm I'm just normal people. Well, see, that's what I said about Jeff. It's like you know I, Jeff's just a guy. You know what I'm saying? He's just a dude. Yes, he's super popular. Yes, he makes hella money or whatever. But he's just a dude. You know. So that's how I talk to him. I talk to him just like he's a guy. You know. Right. And uh, I love Jeff. Like me and Jeff get along great. He uh, and uh, you know I can take sarcasm and I get like jokes and and you know because I try to be witty and funny myself and Jeff does that too. So me and him back and forth is hilarious. I think the thing that I like about Jeff the most is just how much he loves the show. Oh yeah, 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 and that's that's the coolest part about it is like dude loves his job. Yeah, because I think one of the things that makes the show so enjoyable is because. 20, well, I guess now 40 seasons or 20 years in, he still enjoys it just as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's super cool. And and his passion comes out, that's for sure. You know, he, he's just, man, he's the perfect person for the job, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do contestants get sunscreen? Sunscreen? Uh, yeah, they... Listen, if if Tommy didn't have sunscreen, he would have died. (laughs) (laughs) I would also die. Well, because we've seen, I think maybe Cochran or a couple of others, we've seen some really bad sunburns on the show. Well, it's, it's, you know, you have a choice on whether or not you wear it. I never put it on. Yeah. You know, personally. I, I just, I got that skin, like I may burn, but I just got that skin where I don't have to have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm out there for eight hours, of course I'm gonna burn. You know what I'm saying? But like, uh, yeah, Tommy can be out there for 30 minutes and he's got blisters. You know what I'm saying? So. I'd have third degree burns if I was out for 30 minutes with no sunscreen. Yeah, so they they do give you sunscreen. Yeah. Um, I think Jeff says that in one of his e-entertainment things. Like he said, you know, he listed the, what they do give you or whatever. I think he said he said that before. Do you really have to use the restroom in the ground or do they give you a porta potty Oh no, you you going in the woods. <laughs> you either go in the woods or you go in the water. There is no 
Yeah. No porta potty. No. Yeah, they're gonna slip you this or that. No. 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 I was afraid that was the answer to that question. Yeah, that's all real. Yeah. If you just need me time because you've just had a little too much, can you get away from things for a few minutes? Do they allow that? Well, typically, if you go off by yourself or say you're going to the bathroom, they're not coming with you. Okay. So you can get a little mental health space if you need it. Yeah. The, the only thing is, is like taking that risk of being away from camp, you know, but I had done it. I'd done it all the time. Okay. You know, I would just go out in the woods and, and piddle and see what I could see and, and check this out and check that out and... You know, and, and, and I'm sure they talked about me at camp or whatever, but, you know, I wasn't in anybody's end game anyway. So I think I kind of just was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go do what I do, you know. Do you get to meet the contestants before you are on the island in your tribes? Uh, You guys meet at Ponderosa, but, you know, you're not allowed to speak or anything. You literally do not talk until you walk on the island. Okay, because that was one of the questions was, the question was worded, it seemed like at Ponderosa, the contestants were coming back, so to speak, to the hotel, to their stuff, and they'd already knew some of the wait staff. Yeah, because, you know, you're you're at Ponderosa to start out. Okay. Before you ever go, you, you spend, uh, I don't know, it's, I don't know how long you're there. And so you, you meet the people that work there or whatever, you, you know what I'm saying? Because that's the only people you can talk to is the wait staff and okay. then the actual producers and stuff. You can't speak to each other. Interesting. And okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you you know the people that's working on the island and stuff. You get to know them. Well, that concludes part one of our time with Elaine Stott. Be sure to tune in for part two. We have many more things to cover. For example, we'll get Elaine's take on Dan Spilo, who was kicked off the show. She'll tell us why she voted for Tommy instead of Dean. We'll go behind the scenes of season 39. Did you know that Elaine survived a shark attack? Plus, we'll learn what her future holds. Will she be returning to Survivor? What about Big Brother or Amazing Race? Finally, we'll share her predictions for season 40, Winners at War. Don't miss it. The interview show is a production of Gravity Beard. It can be found on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at TheGBIS or on Facebook by searching The Gravity Beard Interns. Special thanks to Phil Rude, that illustrator guy, for our logo. This is the interview show by Gravity Beard. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.